LWDG Pod Dog, the podcast that helps women train their gun dogs and become part of a supportive community. I'm Joanne Perrett, founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group, and I'm thrilled to be your host. Our online membership offers expert training, monthly courses, and live coaching sessions that empower women to become confident and skilled gun dog handlers. Join us as we share insights, advice, and stories to help you and your four-legged friend achieve your goals. So grab your headphones, sit back, and let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. This week we are talking to our fabulous friend Louisa Clutterback. Louisa, congratulations on becoming the CEO of the British Game Assurance. Hi Joe, thank you so much. So I'm sure lots of people are listening and thinking, okay, how did you get to where you are? Can you talk briefly about your journey into the shooting world and into your position now? Yep, so I grew up um, sort of beating and my dad was always shooting and I would stand with him, but I was never really allowed to hold a gun. Um, he said it was because, you know, shooting wasn't a woman's sport. Um, but I actually think it was because he didn't want to have to pay for me to have shooting lessons. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really learn to shoot until I started going out with my now husband about six years ago. And um, he started to teach me. And then I started having lessons with Dylan Williams. Um, so that's kind of how I went into shooting. But on the other side into BGA, um, it was the food side of it that I was really interested. Um, and obviously hearing some shoots were burying birds, which we never, ever want to happen. Um, I was really keen to work for a company that wanted to stop that. So that's how I, so I started off. Uh, is it five or six years ago five years ago um as the md's executive assistant then i got promoted to head of operations then director of operations and now ceo which we are absolutely excited about it's always amazing to see women hitting high levels top levels within the shooting industry and um i know there are many more than than there used to be but i think each one is an achievement in its in itself so well done it's a very male dominated industry so yeah what new ideas or changes are you thinking about bringing to the British Game Assurance I can see from your online statement recently that the assurance scheme is going to be moving over to aim to sustain so can you tell me more about that yep so aim sustain is a it's sort of a coalition of the nine shooting organisations. I won't go through all of them because I'll probably miss one. Um, so it's shooting and rural because there's the Scottish Landed Estates and Countryside, uh, no, Countryside Alliance, CLA, who are not just shooting, but they're rural as well. So, um, yeah, it's a coalition of those eight organisations. And then GWCT sits on there as an advisor, as the scientific advisor. But yes, so we've been having some conversations for some time about how to get more shoots on board with the assurance scheme. And it was decided at an aim to sustain board meeting that the best way forward for assurance is to have aim to sustain running it, because then it means that every shooting organisation is invested in insurance and their members will become more invested in it. Instead of sort of at the moment, everyone sort of thinks BGA is a separate entity and they don't really understand. Um, hopefully by having all nine of the major shooting organisations doing it, we're going to have a, a lot bigger uptake of assurance. 
from my point of view though very excitingly it means that i will be rebranding as eat wild and um we are going to be focusing on not just feathered game but we're actually going to be expanding to include venison pretty much all wild meat because you know most shoots have to control rabbits and deer so it makes sense that we're also marketing um and promoting them as well especially something that I've noticed over the last five years is that when we go and talk to new commercial outlets such as stadiums or um, big restaurant chains pub groups hotels they don't just ever want to talk to us just about feathered game so it really makes sense for us to expand to include all game I think I totally agree with you it makes total sense for the insurance part to go under a collaboration where they've all got that investment because I think that's something that the industry's been saying for a long time needs to be be there this thing where we all sign up to the same way forward so that's fantastic to see but obviously with you becoming just eat wild that can be a changing direction for yourself i know you've got a goal to increase game consumption in the uk so how do you see that happening with eat wild yeah so eat wild will you know we we will continue to promote british game but there are also going to be outlets that don't need or want assurance. So we'll focus on them. Whereas before we've never done that, you know, we have only focused on getting assured game. Now we can kind of expand it to everything. However, I do definitely want to work with the quality venison schemes that just um, launched in the, in England. Cause obviously the Scottish one has been going for a while and promote assurance where it's necessary, such as supermarkets, but you know, the smaller outlets like, I want to do a farm shop campaign, for example, and make sure every farm shop in the UK is selling game because absolutely no brainer that they should. But they don't they don't really require assurance. But we do need to make sure it's gone through the right foods and supply chain, just like any other meat. Um, And it's not just a shoot dropping it off. It needs to go through a game dealer. It's really exciting. I think we'll we'll target a lot more people this way. You know, the assurance has been one of our major focuses and I'm very excited that full time I can now just concentrate on finding new avenues for game. I think what's lovely about it as well is knowing that you're in charge of Eat Wild. I sort of, as a consumer, understand the concept behind Eat Wild. I tried as much as I could get involved in the British Game Assurance, but as I'm not directly involved with the feds and some where they go. I don't take part in that. I didn't know how to get in part, you know, involved in it. Whereas with this, I can I can sign up to it, I can be part of it. And that in itself provides sustainability and provides assurance going forward, doesn't it? Exactly. And what part of the thing that I will be launching is something called the Back British Game campaign, similar to Back British Farming. Um, but it's going to be a way that anyone who's involved, whether you just like to eat game down to, you know, picking up or beating, whatever your involvement is within game, but you still want to support it, you can sign up to pledge your support. And um, also, you know, any shoots that you go on, you can get them to fundraise for us. We have recipe booklets. So, you know, if you're on a shoot and you're noticing that maybe some of the guns are intimidated or you know, you're a bit intimidated, we can send you the recipe booklets in the post to hand out to friends and yeah. And that was like one of the main reasons that the whole LWDG started. I can remember saying to my dad, I had this like pair of, of pheasants and I was like, how do I cook these? And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, yep, 
but I want to know. I I don't want them to sort of being killed and then not used. I really want to be part of that circle, and that's why me and you have worked so closely over the years. But that that sort of not knowing what to do with them, it can make people a little bit like cautious. How do I move forward? How do I use game? You know, every day we're all used to picking up beef and turkey and lamb, but we're not used to dealing with game in our kitchens every day, are we? No, exactly. And that's you know one of the biggest focus that we've done. We do recipe videos, we do TikToks. You know, one of our most popular TikTok videos, which has got nearly 30,000 views, is just a plucking and partridge and pheasant, well, skinning and plucking. And those two videos, which I would have thought actually people won't be that interested in it, but people really, really want to learn and connect to their meat. So it's really cool that that's, um, that's one of our more popular ones. <laughs> yeah, some of my recipe videos are... Um, don't go down that well but uh we get a lot of aunties especially because you know we are trying to target a millennial urban audience with eat up eat wild kind of away from the countryside so i think sometimes i i get stuck in a vegan loop and they're like why are you showing me meat well you're quite right because games sometimes get a mixed reception doesn't it you know and the work you're doing on tiktok and things you're working to help change perceptions and highlight the benefits of game food yeah exactly well because obviously game is much leaner so it's if you're on a diet I always I, so I did slimming well before my wedding and I was all I was saying to all these ladies I was like stop worrying about eating chicken and pork just to switch to venison and um pheasant and partridge and you know the calorie the the um weight will drop off because you know it's they're, they're lower in calories they're higher in protein so you're fuller longer so you don't want to eat as much and it's like lower in cholesterol I mean, it's a no-brainer and, and I mean that's something we did recently we were in Preston because as well as doing the TikToks and stuff we try and do as many shows where we can talk to people and we did a show just outside Preston which was a country show and um but we got there and it was a real urban audience because they were all coming from Preston and Manchester and they were like I am not touching that oh that's wild and like and I was like no no it's not like a pigeon that you see in the town um, and as soon as and like my favorite is when the little kids come up and grab something and then they put it in their mouth and they're like oh what is that and you were like oh it's pigeon or it's pheasant and they're like what is a pheasant but then they're like it's delicious and their parents are the ones being like oh I'm not touching that and then they try it and absolutely love it and then you go on to talk to them about the nutritional benefits and also the benefits that the shoots do to the countryside and you know how we have to control venison numbers all this stuff and yeah it's just it's, it's really satisfying seeing people being like oh I'm not touching that and then to change their mind it is almost like though like a generational gap isn't it because if you look back in history you know okay people who lived on states tended to eat like partridge and pheasant etc but people who were poor would eat pigeon and rabbit and things like that so meat was very much part of our history and then there was this sort of gap where it became unpopular but bringing it back and making it popular again people need to understand the game offers value for money doesn't it yeah, well, also, you know, that there's that amazing Facebook group, Giving Up the Game. And, you know, if you can't afford to feed your family, there is literally a Facebook group that is giving away free meat. Obviously, you know, that undermines what I'm trying to do, because I would love the game to be seen at the same competitive price as chicken, as beef, you know, that for the shoots, as the producers. I want them to 
be getting some money for their game because at the end of the day, they're harvesting a really important meat product for us. But what at the moment, while it's it's not like that, I, I tell all these families that you can really tell are struggling with the cost of living, you know, go on Facebook, watch the videos on Eat Wild showing you how to pluck and stuff, and you can just get, you know, the game from the local keeper. And that's such a benefit, isn't it? Like you said, there is this sort of cost of living problem that's, that's quite extensive across the UK. And there are these birds that need to be used. It's, it's win-win for both sides. Yeah, exactly. So going forward, how can our community, the shooting community, get involved and, and help support what Eat Wild is doing? So firstly, I'd say if you ever go on a shoot, whether you're picking up or you're shooting and beating, whatever it is, please take some birds home with you. And please encourage everyone else who's with you to be taking birds home, because if we're not going to take them home and eat them, how are we ever going to expect someone else to do it? And then the second thing is try and um, get someone who's never eaten it to try it. And you, if you cook it, and we've got millions of recipes on our, our website and we try and do it in ways that is not unusual. So your friends would re- recognize it, but normally done with chicken. But if you can try and get more people to eat it, that would be brilliant. The other thing is we've got um, Great British Game Week, which runs from the 6th of November, I think to the 12th. So if you can get, your local pub, restaurant, you know, just your local, just to serve one pheasant dish that week. That would be amazing. And if they let, if you let me know about it, we will promote them in our press releases and on social media. So it's a win-win for them. And the thing is, we find though, once people have done it once, um, they will usually leave it on for the rest of the season. So I can remember doing a promotion with you and we had a recipe, is it Cook Scotland? And we had a recipe for Thai pheasant curry and it is the best Oh, it's so yummy. ever. And when in the game fair, you were giving out fantastic like little pots of things. I think we had like, was it pheasant cottage pie type thing? Oh but yeah, hunter's pie. So that hunter's was a- pie. Yeah, oh, pheasant and venison. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, so loads of recipes. They're on uh, Louisa's site. We've also got some that Louisa donated to us on our site. So there's plenty of places for you guys to go and find these. But I will talk to Louisa after this podcast. We're possibly doing something around um, plucking pheasants, plucking partridge, because I know that loads of our ladies have asked the same question, Louisa. They're like, how do I pluck it? What do I do with it? So maybe we'll start on the basics with with something yeah, like that. That would be great. I'm really bad at butchering. I can do the plucking and the skinning really easily. And then I'm like, ah, panic. But it's actually quite good to see people, someone who's not doing it perfectly. Because I think sometimes when you watch a chef or a butcher and they do it so quickly and you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, everyone can watch me uh, butcher a bird badly. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fantastic. It sounds like a date, definitely. Absolutely. Um, Going on to the additional amazing work you do in our in our communities, you are part of Women Who Work in Field Sports. It's, it's quite a new group. Can you tell us about how it came about and how it's going so far? Yep. So Women Who Work in Field Sports was founded. I um, obviously had been working at the BGA for about four and a half years, and I was just fed up of being the only woman at every meeting I went to and sometimes I really wanted to ask oh what would you do in this situation 
Um, and I, my old CEO, Liam, very kindly um, set up Teresa Dent to be my mentor. And whilst having my meetings with Teresa, I realised how useful they were to me. And so I bumped into Vanessa Steele and Iona Campbell from GWCT at the game fair last year. And I said to them, oh, I really want to set up this sort of women who work in shooting or field sports. I couldn't quite figure out what I wanted to do. And they were like, oh, well, we really want to set up this woman, you know, a network for women as well. So um, we got together and sort of laid out a rough plan that we wanted to initially be sort of talks around the country. So, so far we've done one in Scotland and one um, in um, our first event, which was in London. And then we had our drinks at the game fair. Really sadly, we were supposed to be doing one at the Welsh game fair, but I've got to go and have surgery for endometriosis. But then there was a doctor's strike and they've moved it. But I've cleared my whole diary and I'm trying to to get a cancellation so please no one be offended that we're not at the Welsh Game Fair that is why I thought I was going to be having my hot operation so but we are definitely we know Wales is next on our hit list but anyway so now we're sitting down in September to map out how we want the future of it to go I really want um there to be mentors because obviously having a mentor for me has been so vital I don't honestly think I would have got to where I am if it wasn't for Teresa's help um, she might say differently but no she's been incredible and I also really want to do um, a podcast and have a blog you know showcasing all the different jobs there are in field sports that you might not even be aware that women do um, and yeah and continue to have our annual or not annual um quarterly meetings because I think it's really important to meet in person and um, also then do sort of seminars or webinars um, every few months from an inspiring speaker. So Joe, you will definitely be asked along to one of those <laughs> to, to speak. <laughs> I'm, I'm very humbled by that um, invite. Um, but you're absolutely right. I came along to the first one in London. I was having like, you know, you know what it's like working in, in any industry. You have peaks and, and then you have lows. And I was, I was in a proper funk. I didn't even really know if I wanted to go along to the meeting. But I made the effort and I came up um, with some friends who also have businesses in the same industry. And listening to uh, Alexandra from the field, Oh, it was just it was just a breath of fresh air listening to somebody else's struggles you know and you see people perceive and are the pinnacles of their career um, or or feel like it and you think I'm never going to be as good as professional as smart as intelligent all these things that were on your head and listening to her I thought she goes through all the same things that the rest of us are going through and it, it was properly beautiful to listen to and also to clear I, the other speaker, I was just like, oh, this is just really amazing. Her background wasn't at all like Alexandra's. And I was just like, oh, my God, look how different these people are. And they both managed to curve their own niche in what we all do. Yeah, I thought what was fascinating is because they had such sort of polar opposites entry into field sports, really. But they'd had exactly the same problems. And it just kind of shows that, there's not really privilege for women within field sports. It doesn't matter your background. You're still going to come up against the same problems. And that's, I mean, so it's just nuts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And 
I think that obviously I look back in history and sometimes I read gun dog books and women have worked with dogs for a long time. Some who have made incredibly good names for themselves. However, they are very few and far between. And even if you look alike, I think um, they came out the other day, something like 6% of, of people with gun licenses are women. And, and it was celebrated. They should be celebrated. But I'm like, if that means 94% are men, that's like, that's nowhere near even Stevens and that at all, is there? Yeah, and that's something, you know, our, our group especially is not about women who shoot or hunt. It's about the women who who literally work, you know, I had one lady call me and she'd worked on an estate for 15 years, never picked up a gun. And she was like, well, can I come along? And I was like, yes, you're exactly who I want that, you know, someone who's, who's doesn't shoot or hunt or whatever, but is part, still part of field sport and part of the community. So yeah, I also, my other favorite were there a few ladies who I won't name their names were like, oh, we hate female only events. And then they were like, this is brilliant. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so with regards to uh, women who work in field sports and you know how do you envisage the role of women in the future changing in, in shooting and field sports we see more women on states with dogs are you seeing it across the whole sort of working community yeah I think so I mean even even when I first started at BGA Vanessa and Iona weren't working at the DWCT, for example. I think the women that are coming into it is happening all the time. And definitely, I think in the last two years, there's been a real rise. Um, and hopefully that's because of, you know, people who already work there being very welcoming. You know, not necessarily just women, but the men as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I only, you know, I think it's only going to get more and more. But the more that we can, you know, if, if you see someone who's new on a shoot day or new at a, a networking event, always just go up to them because it's so terrifying. I mean, I know what it's like because I used to go, I, well, I, I still want to go to the meet business women events. And it's so scary because they all know each other quite well. And game doesn't normally sit alongside all these other meets. And I'm obviously trying to get it to. But yeah, it's very intimidating. And we just need to get that same intimidation away from field sports as well think about it like while we're chatting now we see these sports as male dominated but if you take in the concept of what you said women who work in field sports behind most gamekeepers there's a, a wife or a partner oh, or somebody who just does just as much without the title there's all the people who work and on unpaid unpaid usually. yeah you know you know if we took in all of those indirectly connected we would probably see a more even number wouldn't we yeah exactly yeah, and also, you know, for ages, I used my husband's shotguns because I was only shooting very rarely. So I think, you know, that stat about women, I just think that's way too low because, yeah, we might not have licenses, but working towards, I mean, I do have my own license now, but, you know, there are a lot of women behind the scenes who are working towards getting their, their gun license. And also because the doctors and everyone, the police have been so slow. You know, I see constantly people on Facebook like, oh, you know, I'm just going to borrow my friends and they're going to stand with me or whatever it is. So, yeah. We have a very similar, you know, situation with us. Like my daughter spent, uh, went on week on the weekend talks, which I shoot in. She doesn't have her own life. Then she went to like a, an instruction led event. I shoot with my husband. Um, I've never bothered getting my own license. I've never seen the need because when dad was alive, I went with dad or my, my brother or somebody okay. who was always around me. So yeah, I think you're right. The, the figure isn't actually, well, I don't think it's anywhere near the, how, how many women are actually out there shooting. Yeah. 
100%. From your viewpoint, what are the upcoming challenges and opportunities for the shooting industry? Because we are at one of those positions where we are under scrutiny. Um, how do we move forward? So <laughs> challenges, where to start? I mean, obviously Wales and the government are reviewing there um, whether shooting will be able to continue on public land. The water companies are all slowly trying to the ban you know it started with nice utilities now scottish water have come i am I'm, I'm trying to work behind the scenes and i don't really want to say too much on that but i am trying to offer them a compromise but yeah i i think the only way that we can face the challenges because the reason why it's getting banned is because people are ignorant and don't understand the benefits of shooting so instead of posting a photo of maybe a dead bird in your dog's mouth or, um, you know, a whole pile of dead birds or dead deer, whatever it is, that's really not very helpful. But maybe, you know, take a nice video and show, oh, these trees or this crop was planted, benefit the wild birds and the pheasants, you know, trying to talk a lot more about the positives of what shooting does and the focus instead of the negative, I think is is the only way forward because we've got a lot of challenges coming up especially, you know, the new government coming in. I mean, even when with the car- under the current government, it's not going very well for shooting. So, yeah. It is all about changing perceptions, isn't it? Because even like Facebook rules, like I had like a, a whiplash in, in our group when we stopped putting, in a Facebook group, we stopped putting up pictures of dead birds because Facebook's rules say no carcasses, no dead animals, no carcasses. Like that's everybody's dinner. Do you know what I mean? I'm not seeing them stopping those. But anyway, we stopped it to protect the group. And there was this huge whiplash. And I was like, if that's all our dogs are about, is that picture with the dead bird, then are we not missing the point of the whole of it? You know, our dogs, we can see our dogs working without that. Like you said, we yeah. can see we can see the casserole we made in the night when we got home. We can see all the other stuff that comes from it and provides people with a far better far more balanced view of what shooting a bird actually does mean to the rest of the world yeah exactly and also like would you you know something I always get from the urban people is like oh that's been in a dog's mouth and I'm like well not necessarily (laughs) but also the more that we put a photo of of our dog you know I get I'm really proud when my dog brings me a pheasant back but I never take photos of it because I'm just like I, this is me being happy in the moment. I don't need to push that down anyone else's throat, especially someone who has no concept of what's going on here. We sort of found this sort of like middle ground where we said, right, we've, obviously we've got the website and the for, is, is like, um, for members, it's a forum. Go ahead. Yeah, do it privately. If you exactly. want. Do yeah. it on WhatsApp groups. Do it if you have a private Instagram account where you know every follower. Do it on that. That's fine. But, you know, there are quite a lot of people now who have, huge social media influencers and maybe there's probably some education there we could do maybe I'll have a go at that (laughs) Um, but yeah I think just the more we can tell people about think about someone who has never left inner city seeing that picture and what they're then going to think of you. My husband works with uh, inner city schools and the children get off the bus and they're like aged 11 plus and they've never seen a sheep they scream, they get upset, and Matt's like, they've not seen that before, you know, and some of them, they have difficulty walking on uneven ground and, and like on a track, so they're so used to life one way, that what happens in the countryside is very foreign, and the reality of it is, very few of us see rural life the way 
the, the amount of people see urban life, if you know what I mean. There's, there's so many more people living in urban communities. Yeah, so we're, very, uh, we're a very urban-centric society. And, you know, when I go into London, I get absolutely miserable. <laughs> but I also know, you know, my mum was a teacher, and, yeah, she used to bring pupils to our farm, and they burst into tears when they saw the mud. You know, it was just so, and you just have to, you know, that for me is a really good reminder of who the audience that I'm trying to reach and speak to and educate on on game. Yeah, because as much as we may or may not appreciate it, we need the whole of society to buy into what we do in order to protect it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know I know that people think that sometimes eat, they don't get what Eat Well does. But I, I've reached I said this recently to Richard Negus. I'm not the shooting community are not the people that I'm trying to talk to at Eat Wild. You know, I'm trying really want to just reach people who've never heard of it before. And and also another sorry, just you mentioning schools then, you know, if anyone listening has got children at school and want, you know, us to come and talk to the school, or I know that sometimes that can cause a lot of drama, but we need to educate the children and that going into schools and colleges is the best way to do it. Only through education are we going to survive, and that's the reality of it. Thank you so much for being with us today, for doing this podcast. If anybody wants to get hold of you, where do they find you? Where can they find all the fabulous stuff you do? So we're www.eatwild.co on, um, that's our webpage. And then it's Let's Eat Wild on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Fabulous. Thank you very much for your time. It was has Thank been wonderful. To those listening, please take on board what uh, Louise has shared with us. Please, even if it's just some little bits, even if it's just the pictures of your, your pheasant casserole tonight, please pull them up because it does make a difference. As people see things and see it as part of their normal everyday life, they will be far more accepting and far more likely to support us when the time comes that we'll need that support. Um, thank you all for listening and we shall see you all very soon. Thank you for listening to LWDG Pod Dog with Joanne Parrott, founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group. If you're interested in joining our supportive community and taking advantage of our group experts training and resources, please visit our website at www.thelwdg.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And we look forward to helping you and your four-legged friend thrive. Until next time, keep training, keep learning, and keep working with your beloved gun dog. Thank you.